0: Yeah, uh, we'll be in uh, Acts chapter two, and uh just majoring still as we've been on verse forty two talking about um, the constitution of the uh the early church and uh, what that looked like and so uh, if you were not with us last week, I'll remind you that um, we were talking about Walter give me a little less I'm ringing man um, a little uh sorry uh, we were talking about the the purpose of the breaking of bread, and it wasn't just meals, and it wasn't just communion. It's intentionally ambiguous, but to point us back to the reality that um, that we are connected to Jesus in, in an intimate way, and we belong to him in wholeness, and um, sometimes we look at the thing that Jesus offers us, which is himself, and we, and we don't see it for what it is. So Jesus says, I am, I am the bread of life. I'm the one that came down from heaven, and I'm what you need for, for life, and and all things, and we look at that offer, and we say, yeah, but I'd rather have, remember, I'd rather have bread. So we we look at Jesus' offer, like, we mean, and we don't mean that bread, we mean some other less, less important thing, and so we kind of call Jesus's um, actual provision for us the stone, right? Who of you would ask um, his father for uh, bread, and would give his son a stone, and we talked about that, and it really comes down to our perception. So, um, this week we're, we're kind of turning. It's in the same vein, but to the uh, to the reality of, of prayer. And so um, the tendency for us uh, in talking about prayer is to just kind of do the guilt trip, and uh, we talk talk about prayer and the importance of prayer. And then you know I say you should pray more, and you go yeah I really should pray more, and then you proceed as usual to not pray more. And uh, so I think that's a I think that's a misstep on our part, um, primarily because. I think that the fuel to to get us to pray is not guilt and it's not even in understanding the mechanism of prayer so much as it is the foundation of of prayer and and how it functioned um in light of the the reality of our union with Christ and so um with that being said if you're not a parent that's that's okay you've been a kid before and you have asked your you've asked your parents for something that um was was not something they, they could or should give you. And so it wasn't uh, very long ago, we were uh, at the Castle Rock outlets, and Jaden um, had a friend, and we were just kind of shopping around or whatever. And um, they disappeared for a couple hours, and then we were going to rendezvous back at the car. And so we did. And uh, we're like, Where's Jaden? So he shows up a little bit late, and he's like, I really want to go back to the store to buy something. Your next question should be, What is that something, right? So it's already suspicious, like some clothes, like should we make sure they fit? No, Jaden wants to buy a butterfly knife, okay? And so I said, no, of course, because I know that 10 fingers is more important than this moment of joy that he has right now. And so he's, so it's a little bit, it's the, the dynamic here is that he's in front of his friend. So, I also have to, like, gauge this uh, wisdom moment with the fact that he's, at, he's, he's, he's petitioning me for something that I know will actually make him happy and joyful, uh, but I have to tell him no. And does that make me a bad dad? No. No. I'd, I'd appreciate a little more emphatic no on that one. You're like, yeah, it's fine. No fingers. Okay. Uh, yes, that does not make me a, a bad bad father. Um, and I hope, actually, in this moment, um, Jaden learned that... Uh, it's, it is appropriate to come and ask me. He, he wasn't in trouble for asking. In fact, I, I'm glad that he asked and didn't just try to spend money on something and then show up and then I have to like take it away from her. So. so he actually petitioned me and, and I said no. And I, I think through that, there was the experience of gaining wisdom. And so now, maybe if left to his own devices, would you go buy it now if you were on your own? No, he wouldn't buy it. See, fingers are important. And so um, here, here's my question, I guess that I, I wanna like pause it for the, the morning. And um, and under this understanding of prayer, um, we tend to think of prayer as like totally transactional. I go to God to ask Him for something, and sometimes He says yes, and sometimes He says no. And I don't really quite understand the yes and the no. I just feel like that it's actually in the asking that it's that's supposed to happen. But if you if you actually think through that statement, there's there's nothing terribly profound in it. And, uh, and it, it is the very reason why you would choose not to pray. Because at some point, um, the, the, the lack of understanding about why yes and, and not no, or why no and, and not yes, in all these different situations, doesn't seem to be connected to any particular thing. It doesn't matter how many times you ask, or in the way that you ask, or sometimes when it does happen and you, you didn't expect it, it's just, it's all disconnected. And so, um, that, that's kind of the wrong way to, uh, to approach prayer. And... Um, I want to, to have you set that aside for a minute with frustration or, or how, you, how you look at God as maybe the provider, but you don't understand why sometimes he doesn't and sometimes he does. And we'll approach, hopefully, prayer this morning in a different way. So let me pray. We'll read the scripture and um, see what the Lord might teach us this morning. Mm-hmm. Father, we up our uh, hearts before you and our lives. We submit them to you this morning to um, fill us in whatever way that you um, see fit, conform us in these next moments to um, your word. Father, I pray that you would uh, be with what is spoken and taught this morning. May it um, penetrate beyond uh, our, uh, our thoughts and just our logic this morning and go to um, where it needs to land, which is um, our heart. Father Pierce, uh, the walls that we've put up help us to um, relinquish um, our fight for independence and uh, that we might see your goodness uh, new this morning, that we might be um, changed, uh, not from a message, but from the reality of seeing you better. And uh, we pray all this this morning in the name of your son, Jesus. We love you. Amen. So it, it is Mother's Day, and um, and so I, I want to say like a couple things. Uh, it it, it's, it happens to to fall this morning that um, the parent the parent example uh, makes makes an easy segue or a metaphor for what it is to go to go to God. And I wonder if I just posited the question for you this morning, like at what point does a parent become unnecessary in your mind and like what is that what is the job of a parent and so you might go well it's to, to raise them to teach them so that they they don't quote-unquote need you anymore and i don't think that's particularly true but isn't that how we raise how we raise kids we, we try to teach them something so that they're able to do everything on their own right and then hopefully they move out and are independent and that's kind of the way we look at things and uh and i think that's all well and good but then we kind of take that same dynamic and we and it doesn't work when we apply it to god um, but then we, we do know that uh, God is our father or he's called our father. and We're supposed to address him as father. We're supposed to approach him as sons and daughters of, of, of God. And so um, when we overlay like our dynamic of, of parenting and, and maturity, um, it doesn't work when we also apply it to God. And so um, the reality is that you, it, it doesn't matter how you feel about it or what relationship you have to your parent or what kind of parent you were. Um, you, you never grow beyond needing or having the relationship with your children. And um, suppose, suppose at some point, you know, you, you were estranged or you had a, a terrible relationship uh, with, your, with your kids. There's always the, the reality of that person being your, your parent. And because of that dynamic and because of that relationship, there is a unique bond and a privilege there. And um, I'm setting that out there as sort of the foundation this morning so that we don't get caught in the details. So I don't want to go through, this is how to pray, this is what prayer is. I just want you to think this morning, um, what, is, what is the foundation in my, in my world, in my perspective, of what, what prayer is doing or what prayer um, comes from, okay? And so with that being said, uh, let's look at um, the Scripture um, in Acts 2, uh 42. And um, just by way of a reminder, this is um, the description of what's happening and uh, reminding you that this is all um, functioning around the hub of that wheel of fellowship. And so each expression of that fellowship has, has kind of happened in different ways. And this morning we're just focusing on the rally that says that they, that being those who were saved, those who had responded to the gospel, who were baptized, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. I hope all of you have a uh, a translation that says the the prayers. There's a there's a definite article there, um, and so that's given some um, some debate as to like what in particular uh, it is that uh, they're actually talking about here. And so the, the prayers could refer to a couple of different things, but I'll tell you what it is it is not referring to. And I know this because um, we get some clues in just a moment. So, um, the, uh, some people are saying, well, it's it's the formalized prayer during their worship gatherings. That's, that's not uh, probably, I'll, I, I, can, I feel pretty good about saying it's not what's happening uh, in that reference point. Um, there's, there's, there's two, two options. Uh, I like one more than the other, and I'll tell you what it is. So I like this being at the times where they pray. So uh, traditionally, Jews pray at th- three times a day when they rise up in the morning and midday and then at night, right? And they would say the Shema. Remember the Shema? Shema Israel, yeah. That's that's the prayer, and um, so there's prayers that happen throughout uh, throughout the day, and um, if if you remember that when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, like uh, you know they observed John's disciples praying, and they want to know how to pray, and so Jesus says, when you pray, at the times when you pray, this is how you ought to do it, and so he gives them the Lord's prayer, which we already recited, which does not have, by the way, and yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That's a that's a just a ecclesiastical, that's a, that's a church tradition add-on there. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not actually in the Scripture. And so, um, uh, so what we see anyway is that um, they're given sort of not, um, not parrot these words, but in this way, pray in this way. And he gives them this, uh, this format that um, we're kind of familiar with. We'll get back to that in just a second. And so I think what is happening here, because um, remember, everybody that belongs to the church at this moment in the ecclesia is, is a Jew, And so they're going to practice the things that Jews do. And so they would naturally have times of prayer. And and this is what's happening. So um, I like this being the prayers that they've committed themselves to. But they've done it now under the new dynamic of the apostles' teaching and understanding of um, Jesus being their advocate. He's the one that is ascended. He's in the throne room. He's their high priest. And so all of that changes the dynamic of prayer um, from what they were doing before to what they they have now. So... This, I think, is, is the best uh, explanation of what it means when it says the prayers. Now, it could also mean that um, they were, uh, it could mean them like the plural, all of them, the, the prayers of all of the people, but that one's kind of a weird workout. And you see that later on, um, as uh, Peter and uh, John are going to the temple, it says they're doing it at the hour of prayer when they heal this. This man, and so this uh, makes sense that they're still they're still practicing the routine of prayer, and uh, this is what it is that they've dedicated themselves to. So uh, that was, sorry, a very long rabbit trail to get to the point that this is a a definite article. So. I think one of the things that we do when we think about prayers, we think about this like scattershot, however it feels comfortable to you, you do how you like, and um, we kind of go with that, but then that kind of leaves us with nowhere really to go, because we don't particularly have a way that feels right or wrong, and uh, nobody really said, this is the way you ought to do it. But if I said, if you don't pray, you're not saved, what would you be like? That's not true. true. Now, why why, why would you know that, um, or why would you feel that way? So what is it what does it what's it say? Pray okay. But if I if I said if you don't if you don't pray at all, if I if I if I laid out something like that and I said you don't pray, you're not saved, what would that what would that feel like? That's true. Okay. How can you have a relationship with God without talking to me? Okay. So it's it becomes a point of um of connection or, or conversation and um if I was to say, hey, you could pick any historic person, pick somebody uh, important, rich, whatever it is, some person that you wanted to meet, and uh, you have an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with this person, you would feel privileged at that moment, right? And I say, hey, you get, you get an hour, you get to go have lunch, whatever it is, with this person that you would just love to have a conversation with and ask them a bunch of questions, you would feel like, hey, I I got, a, I got, I got an opportunity that most other people don't get, and yet, If I say you have the opportunity to like sit down with the God of the universe, you don't feel the same way about that kind of opportunity, which is a much greater privilege and a much greater opportunity than some lesser thing. And so um, part of of the issue is that you feel like this is a one-way thing that you're throwing up to God and sometimes he's listening, sometimes he's not. You're not sure about the dynamic. And the reality is that we need to look at how Jesus prays, what Jesus prays for, to give us an indication about what prayer really is. So is prayer just like asking God for something? Let me ask that. Okay. So uh, I didn't intend for this to go this way, but since we're dialoguing, like give me your, what is prayer? Say it again. Worship. Okay. Any other? Communication Communication with God. Okay. Okay. Obedience. Say it again. Okay, strengthening relationship. What'd you say, Jerry? Obedience. Obedience. That's interesting. Okay. 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 So all these are good answers. Um, so 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 another problem maybe then is uh, sometimes condensing down prayer, which can take all these different formats to, to this single idea of oh well prayer is just this or just that, and uh, it makes it too too simplified to really um, understand what it is, but. Let me ask you uh, like another open-ended question. This is rhetorical. You, you can answer it in your mind. So what is Jesus praying for? Why does Jesus pray? So that, that's, a, that's an interesting question because you and I think I pray because I need something. I pray because, uh, fill in the blank. So whatever, it's forgiveness, petition. Well, I pray because I am in a situation. I pray because I need healing. I pray for somebody else. I pray, so we, we, we pray for a lot of things and we're asking something from God. So um, Jesus, you have to go with, like Jesus doesn't need anything. He's God. He could provide whatever he wants at any time. He knows all things. There's nothing that's a mystery to him. So he's not asking for God to reveal his will. And yet Jesus is constantly in prayer. So, so what, is, what is it that's happening in those moments? Well, uh, 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 rather than leaving that as a rhetorical question, um, I'll point you to a couple of, of prayers that you would be familiar with, hopefully. One we just sang in one of the songs, which is, happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he's uh, going to be crucified, he, he prays in the garden, and uh, he's sweating drops of blood. And, and what, is, what is his prayer? Does it, can you tell me? Glorify your son. Yes, glorify your son. And then he, he, does, he, he does say another thing after that, which I already heard, which is what? Your will be done. So what, what's happening in, in this moment is a picture of something important that actually is the foundation of prayer, okay? And it's this. It is a picture of laying down one's will for dependence on some, some other thing, okay? So, so what Jesus does as, as a human being, though he's fully God and fully man. He lives empowered by the Spirit, constantly seeking to please the Father so that he might glorify the Father by all that he does. And he does that by completely relying on God for all that he needs. Okay? Now, um, let, me, let me help uh, put another point on this and make it more clear. In John chapter 17... We have uh, another prayer of Jesus. John chapter 17 is called the High Priestly Prayer. And Jesus prays specifically, not for himself, but for us, the church, his disciples. And um, let me, uh, I'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. So uh, before this, there's a, a great saying which he does say, he does say, Lord, glorify the Son, since you have uh, given him authority over all flesh uh, to give eternal life to any um, whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. This is eternal life, that you know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So then he, he's uh, talking about glory. Don't pay attention there. I'm, I'm giving you the roll up to this, this moment. And he says, I, I manifested my name to all the people, that, the ones that you gave me out of the world. And, and they know everything that you have given me is from you. Okay? So there's the picture again of what Jesus is actually living as, is full, fully dependent on the strength of... of um, the spirit to, to uh, walk in the world, to do all of the uh, miracles that he does. And he says, I, I'm praying for them and I'm not praying for the world, but those who you have given me, for they are yours. All are mine and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. Okay, so now jump to 20. And he says this, I do not ask for these only. So, so not just the disciples that are standing here, but for um, any of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they all also may be in us. So if you, if, you lost, if you lost track in the you and me there, Casey, uh, just as you and I, Father, are, are one, I, I want you to unite them to me in the same fashion so, um, so, so that the world may believe that you have sent me by doing this, by, 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 by making this a united group to me. So the, the glory you have given me I have given to them. What what glory? Well, that's important. We'll come back to that in a second. So I've given it to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be one with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. What is the theme of this prayer? Unity in what? In Christ. Oneness. He's, he's praying that the church would be united um, together and united together in him. Just as he's united to the Father. In what way it is, um, is Jesus united to the Father? Well, he's like the same thing. It's all, it's all included. You are in Christ in that way. Not like a buddy of Christ, but you are in Christ in that fashion. So that's, a, that's an important word because that is your your privilege and your access. Um, it is, uh, I think it's Karl Barth, who was, who's got a lot of great sayings on prayer. But one is this, that, that when we pray, we're, we're praying, yes, through our, our words and our mouth, but we pray in the spirit through the lips of Jesus. So if you think about the picture that's being drawn here, when, when you pray, your, your intimacy with the Father is not because you've approached and you're looking at Jesus and God, and you're like, hey, I'm here as one of you. You are in Jesus next to the Father. And and Jesus is making your petition known to the Father. And He's making it pleasing to the Lord. This is what it means by praying in the Spirit. And that Jesus is our advocate before the Father. So um, that kind of privilege, that kind of access, brings us back to the reality that um, we are called sons. Now you're like, I'm a daughter. But you, you're called son and if a son, then an heir. Because the son, all, all that the son, all that the father has belongs to the son by right of, what? Birth and family. And belonging. Okay. I, I, I'm getting some, like, I'm not sure where you're going with this, Mitch, so let me, let me help. Um, our, our inability... To seek God comes directly from our our idea that we only ought to come to Him when we have something to ask. Okay, and um, let me let me give you a uh, a scenario that you would be familiar with, but then change the ending of it. So the story of the prodigal son. the The son comes to the father and he says, you know. I want my inheritance now. And so he he takes it, he goes, spends it all in in wild living. Finally, he comes to his senses, decides to return home, decides that he will not be a son anymore. He works up this whole speech. He wants to come back, and he he says, treat me like one of your your hired men. Treat me as a servant. I I just want to be someplace that I, I can belong again, essentially. So he decides to return home. And at the moment that you're familiar with, where the father... Expecting the son sees him far off and runs out to him. Suppose it just at that moment where the embrace is the welcoming, the invitation back, not as a servant, but as a son, right? And he puts the cloak around him and he brings him into the house. This is all a picture of, of belonging and being like a full member of the family. Suppose just at that moment, the son actually says, hold up just a moment. Could I borrow a few more bucks? Like, I'm, I'm just here. They had some great restaurants back in the faraway land. And clearly I'm out of money. So if you could just loan me a little bit more, okay? Also, you can see my my clothes are in shambles. (laughs) Can I also borrow a cloak? So at at this moment, what is is the picture that's happening? Um, The son is not seeking to be a member of the house. He's not seeking the father for the father. He's seeking the father for what the father can give, okay? And this is the difference between seeking God for God or seeking God for what we think God will give. So you see, you see this moment here where we only look at God as our moment to ask for things instead of the reality that God's constantly offering himself as our, as our, our greatest provision. And because if we would take access with that, if we would accept that embrace... Then we always belong. And, and then what is the, what are the father's words, actual words to the prodigal son once he... Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, what, do you, what does he say to the second son once the other son's been in? He says, all, all that I had all along was yours. Why? Because you were always with me. Right? If you would remain in the house as a son and see that because you are with the father, that you have access to all things, um, that's a totally different dynamic. And that changes, um, that changes the reality of prayer, in my opinion. Okay, so um, here's, here's, a, here's the dynamic that we, we need to look at. The foundation that we have is this. Prayer does not arise from our need to seek God at, at a moment of time in a need. It comes because we, we have the relationship and the access to a father. Just the same way that Jaden doesn't ask me for everything that he needs, surprisingly enough. He did not ask me to eat breakfast this morning. He didn't ask me for any of the clothes that he's wearing, probably. Um, but am I still the provider of those things? And um, in the same way, God constantly provides for us, and yet we, we usually don't acknowledge this reality. He is constantly in provision for us. And I, and I think this is what separates um, our, our understanding of what's, what's happening in, in just life as we progress through things and, um, and how Jesus knows things to actually be. That's why, that's why he fully entrusts himself to God and why he's constantly in prayer because he, he's laying down whatever it is that he wants or is, would seek or would, would want in his flesh to, to ask for and saying, but, but not my will, but yours be done. And that, is, um, that shouldn't be a foreign idea to a people who are crucified with Christ, who don't live their own lives. Who, but, but we do constantly find times where we, we want things and we ask things. But the reality is that what we ought to be doing is coming before the Lord constantly and saying, I, I don't know what's best for me. Not my will, but your, yours be done. And when we pray for the Lord's kingdom to come, that means our kingdom must go, and the Amen. so that every prayer is is this. It is a um, it is a declaration of dependence. Okay, it's a declaration of dependence on, on the Lord. I I I might think that I can get this on my own, but I don't want it if it's not best for me. And and so that every moment we're we're coming and we're just laying our, our will again before the Lord. And um, you'll notice that. Um, I realized I, I promised some things. I'm sorry. So give me a second here with my ADD, okay? So I realized I promised to explain a couple things that I did not explain. Um, the things that we pray for is stuff and situations. I mean, like, like, like the main thing, right? God, I, I need this. I feel like I want it. And can you give it to me? Or um, situation. God, I'm in this situation. I'd rather not be in it. Or God, I want to be in that situation and I'm not in it. This is pretty much summarizes. I'd say, like 98% of our prayers. Is it not? Yes, And um, emphatically, this never enters Jesus' uh, prayer life at all. And furthermore, it doesn't enter the apostles' prayer. And the things that actually you and I pray about, um, and we would think is like some really potent, spiritual, powerful prayer, even in the healing of this uh, paralytic man that happens in the next chapter. It is not a prayer. It is just a command. And we would think, we think somebody's sick, we, we ought to go, Pray really firmly and as many people, but now there's nothing wrong with praying for sick people. In fact, we're told to do that in James. But I'm just saying, the stuff that we think that we need to pray for, Jesus says, when he's teaching on prayer, look, look at the birds. Are, are they doing okay without a 401k? Yeah. He's like, you're worried about what you're wearing. They're, they're all right. Like, and, and you're stressed out. And, uh, and so he says, all the stuff that we're pursuing, seek first the kingdom and then all the stuff. Is added, is added to you. And so this is, this is Jesus' heart for us in prayer and what the apostles eventually understand and give us a, as a model of prayer. When Paul's praying for the churches, when any of the apostles are praying, just start flipping through the epistles and read the first paragraph. It always opens with a prayer, almost always. A greeting and a prayer. I pray for you, and here's what I want for you. And it's never heal this person and fix that, or I hope that you get this and not that. It's always, I want you to be united pray that the Lord would give you wisdom. He, he's always focusing on, on the kingdom aspect. And furthermore, he never asked for them to be out of the situation that they're currently in. No, regardless of how hazardous it is. In fact, he asked for the Lord to keep them, guess what? Through situations and that they would be grown by the circumstances that we're in. And so we're, we're constantly pleading with God to get us out of the thing that he's given us for, for our good. Are you, are you tracking with that? Okay. So, so... Um, so this is, this is not, not prayer, but, but in surrender, we get to see that prayer is actually, God, I'm in this situation, um, grow me. Teach me to trust you in this. Help me, give me faith to, I don't know where the next paycheck is. Instead of praying for the paycheck, right? Like, Father, help me to, to seek you and find all of my sustenance in you. And that's, that's a biblical prayer. That's, that's a God honoring, not my will, but yours be done. And in, in so doing, God's emphatically not looking to, to punish you, but to grow you so that you would entrust yourself to him more and more regularly. And I I think I've gone, gone far enough and long enough on that. So, so here's the, the challenge. It's not to, um, it is not to guilt you into, well, I I ought to ask for more. I I know I ought to do this more, um. If you would think about it like this, every time we are, we are not coming before God to, to lay ourselves before him, to seek his will, giving that declaration of dependence, it is, it's doing just the opposite. God, I, I'm past needing you. I don't actually need you for this. And then we get ourselves into situations and recognize that that's absolutely not true. And then, we're, then we go back and go, oh yeah, that's right. I was wrong on that. So... so um, the last, the last part of this is, I reminded you last week, that there's no language in the Lord's Prayer that is individual. He never says, me, my, I. Because you, you belong to a people that are represented in a singular individual. That's Christ. And so when you, when you ask for you, you're asking for all. And that sounds weird, but if you would share your life in a way that reflected the communion piece of last week and I would share my life in the way that reflected the communion piece of last week, that that petition makes much more sense so that when we ask for our daily bread and I get a little extra bread and you have no bread, everybody's supplied. Makes sense? Yes. Okay. All right. So, um, this morning we have uh, communion and um, a- as we've been doing, uh, I just want to, Transition in this way. Um, the reality of God's goodness and provision and grace towards us is is only evident when we actually surrender and we, we, sh- we say we're not enough. We don't have enough. We can't supply ourselves. And um, this is something we struggle with because... The, the very thing that we think will keep us out of intimacy. Like if if you guys knew, you know, I was a bad person really, then you would never love me. And so we constantly put up walls and, and we never bring ourselves to, to belong truly. And um, in uh, 1 John, as a... Uh, John's unpacking the, the reality of what it means to have fellowship with, with God. He says, if, if, we, if, if we walk in the light, see in the light, as he is in the light, he says, then we have fellowship with one another. But if not, then we, then we walk in darkness, and we don't have fellowship with him or one another, right? Are, are you, uh, I, I do have it here. So if we, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from, from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And um, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Amen. So, so here's, what, um, here's the picture that uh, is being drawn here. Jesus is, is this light, and the closer you get to this light, the more it exposes the darkness in you. And, and we're, we continually convince ourselves that if we can hide the darkness in ourselves, then, then nobody around us um, would, would dislike us, right? They'll think, oh, that person's doing great, and they don't need any help. And um, what, what uh, John's trying to tell us is that the, closest, the closer we get to Jesus, the more... Um, the darkness is exposing us and the more that we let that happen the closer fellowship we have also with other people that are united to Christ so that um, is why it's connected to confessing our sins and James also who tells us to pray for the sick says we should confess our sins to one another and so I'm not your priest and the person across the table from you is not your priest but the reality I think is that we need to live in a more truthful way that says listen we're all broken we're just all beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. Amen? Amen? Okay. Prayer does not simply mean to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find the way to God and speak with him, where the heart is full or empty. Let's pray. Father, it's a privilege this morning to know that um, you hear us because of your son, because um, the privilege access that we have in him And the example that he sets for us reminds us that um, we do nothing on our own. Um, We need you constantly. Father, I pray um, for myself and for my brothers and sisters this morning that um, we would see that the means of fellowship is to draw near to you and to confess places where we have fallen short and that we've tried to take our own pride and dependence and walk our own way. And Father, we just um, in humility surrender hearts again this morning to you. Father, may you expose any way in us that is not pleasing to you that we might find again fellowship and acceptance and grace at the foot of the cross. We meet there and we thank you for the provision of your son and his blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I pray in the next few moments that um, as we reflect in our hearts that you would um, expose ways in us uh, through your spirit, that we would confess those um, and repair relationships if necessary and um, submit our hearts before you. We love you. you.